0: For my part today, I'm thinking of my father, Jack, who died 10 years ago, and my mother, Anne, who just died on September 12th, the day after I started my internship here with you. Jack was a hard-drinking, wild Irishman who loved a good time. He always seemed to me as a child larger than life, six foot one inches tall, 300 pounds, an ex-college linebacker and a former spook for the army intelligence who ran clandestine operations during the cold war in eastern europe to say that we shared little in common (laughs) would be an understatement as a child i was acutely aware that my father and I, if we had somehow been in the same class in the same age we would not have traveled in the same circles. I was not the type of kid that he would have hung around. Jack was a product of his generation and his upbringing in that he had no desire or ability to communicate with anyone on an emotional level. But I never doubted that he loved me. You see, Jack, who was generous to a fault, with him you had to watch what he did in order to divine what he might be feeling. So when I came out and he simply overcame his prejudices and accepted that I was gay and had a partner, I knew that he loved me. We never really did talk much about it. I think Jack thought of my partner, David, as a second son, albeit another one who couldn't throw a football. Now Anne, on the other hand, did all the emotional processing for the family with hugs and kisses and constant reassurances that "Mummy loves you. I never did doubt that she loved us children. Hyper-vigilant and ever on the lookout for anything that could possibly harm anyone she loved, be it dangerous activities, 'er ne'er-do-well friends, bad drivers, or simply the possibility of bad weather. Anne was ruled by fear and worry. From Jack... I learned to love people I might not naturally befriend. From Anne, I learned the importance of letting people I do love know it all the time. I try to be more open in word and deed with those I love, and secretly, I'm relieved that my sister Peg, rather than me, inherited my mother's proclivity for excessive
1: worry. Sometimes we have proof that the universe has a sense of irony, if not a sense of humor. I got my love of classical music from my father, who always wanted to be an organist, while I didn't. (laughs) As a young man, he would hang around St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and he became kind of part of the the fixtures, and he was sometimes allowed up into the organ loft, a very, very long, windy staircase, and sometimes the organist there would say, oh, can you pull out the two-foot mixture for me? or turn a page. And one of my favorite stories about him is that one day he went up to the organ loft and the person sitting on the organ bench was Ralph Vaughan Williams, the person that composed today's prelude. And he, a very gruff man, he was and just said, turn the bloody page for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, towards the end of his life, my father had very bad dementia. And about a year before he passed, I got an envelope from him. Um, And inside was a piece of music that had been cut up into tiny pieces of paper. And i written in somewhat failing handwriting. I thought you might need a few notes to complete your opera. (laughs) (laughs) Let
2: me know if you need any more. We gather here this morning to remember. Each of us here as individuals, to remember loved ones who came before us, who touched our lives in some way with their own, be they friends, family members, ancestors long removed or recently passed. Our lives are built in no small way by the gifts left to us by others. Gifts that can be physical, yes. But more than that, the gifts that shape us are the intangible, hard to define ones left to us by each and every person who has touched our lives. Gifts like the patience learned from caring for an aging grandfather, or the opportunities made possible by a great grandmother leaving her home country with just the clothes on her back to find work in a new and strange place. The love of music or fishing or embroidery passed down by a parent, or the artistic eye and steady hand passed down through a family of painters. And as a community, we remember the people who made possible this beautiful sanctuary, this loving community, this service, this place of peace. We remember those who sat where we are now, who found here a place worth preserving, supporting, and loving. Sometimes, though, What family members and friends leave us with is not something that is positive. Some legacies are things we struggle with or have to work to undo. Things like a cycle of abuse or alcoholism, a grandparent who gambled away a family fortune, or a parent who left the family. These kinds of legacies are the hardest to accept as part of ourselves. And yet, we are shaped not just by the gifts we are given and the positive experiences we have, but by the challenges we face, by the process of undoing or changing those legacies that we wish hadn't been given us, by breaking the cycle of abuse or addiction, by working to undo the hurt of generations. As a community, we wrestle with the legacy of the sugar money that helped build this church and paid for this beautiful window. We work to undo systemic racism and transphobia and homophobia and income inequality that has been passed down through generations. Some legacies are not easy to receive, and yet they too, along with the work they ask of us, are part of who we are. My parents both came from difficult childhoods. My father's father was an alcoholic, abusive, and absentee man with a violent, unpredictable, and random approach to discipline. It led my father to become an alcoholic at 13 and a user of most other things at 16. He's been sober now for more than 45 years, and when he started a family, he made a conscious choice to be a different kind of parent than he had. And so today, with love and forgiveness, I am thinking about my grandfather. Not because I'm grateful for the childhood my father had, but because thanks to that, my father was the most loving, kind, and supportive parent he could possibly be. A requiem, or requiem mass, is also known as a mass for the dead, or in Latin, misa pro defunctis. It is a mass of the Catholic Church offered for the repose of the soul or souls of one or more people who have died, and is usually celebrated in the context of a funeral. And yet, the text used, both the Latin verses from the original Mass and the psalms and prayers that Rudder has added to this particular version, are some of the most beautiful, hopeful, forgiving, and loving things we could possibly say to one who has passed. Requiem eternum, rest in peace. Et lux perpetua luceat eis, and may perpetual light shine upon them. And so... For all the parents, grandparents, siblings, friends, children, and all others who we hold in our memory, we offer this requiem.